today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. There was some discussion, very slight as it turned out, with the Ontario Disability Support Program. And and this is an important part of this uh, because we already knew that the NDP and the Liberals were going to address this in their campaigns, and they have. It seemed as if the PCs weren't going to. It wasn't in the budget uh, a week or so ago. Uh, when the finance minister uh, delivered that budget. So you figured, okay, fine, because uh, that's not totally surprising uh, because the PCs have not been strong supporters of this in the past. And the program itself has had a lot of problems and a lot of bumps along the road. But, you know, you and I having tough economic times. Imagine somebody who's below the poverty line right now or, or you know, not unable to work. And there are people that are like that. Uh, that's what this program was set up for. And uh, it's about time that it got uh, some attention. And uh, now they're, they're starting to jump on the bandwagon here. Uh, just for uh, context here, uh, the NDP are promising to raise ODSP rates by 20% and legislate that raises uh, must at minimum be indexed to inflation. Uh, the Liberal plan is for it to go up 10% and another 10% one year later before leaving it at a 2% increase annually. And yesterday, the Ford government announced that uh, they were going to increase the Ontario Disability Support Program by 5% annually, even though the change was not mentioned in the recent budget. So what does this mean? Uh, Let's bring David Lepofsky into the conversation. David is the chair of the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Alliance. Uh, David, a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be talking to you. We, we knew, as I mentioned in my preamble here, that the NDP and the Liberals were going to address this. I mean, they've been talking about this for quite some time. Were you surprised by the announcement from Doug Ford yesterday that the, they were going to hop on? That not as much of a commitment to it, only 5%, but uh, at least they're acknowledging that there's a need for it. Well, what this shows is that the Ford government will act on accessibility or disability issues when there's enough public pressure, so on the eve of the first leader's debate where he otherwise would get hammered over this, they suddenly got religion. And on the day the election was called, uh, CBC did a full hour call-in program on what's wrong with ODSP. When it gets enough attention, then even on a file where the Tories have dropped the ball repeatedly, they'll pick that ball up because they want to get elected. Now, I could tell you about another one where they've dropped the ball, but they haven't said a word, and we need the Queen's Park Press Corps to uh, stop giving them a free pass. And that is the requirement by law for the government to lead this province to become fully accessible to over 2.6 million people with disabilities by 2025. Now, the Tories voted for the law that requires this back in 2005. I had the privilege of leading the decade-long campaign to get that law passed. It's called the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. But we're not going to reach that deadline because government after government has done too little, and this government has been the worst, frankly, in terms of dropping the ball. We wrote all the parties last November to ask for detailed commitments to pick that ball back up and to make this province accessible. If not by 2025, then as soon as quickly uh, as possible after that. All three opposition parties have answered. The Tories haven't even answered us. And so our our strategy during this this, uh, election is not not to campaign for or against a party. We never do that, we're nonpartisan but is to call on people to press the Tories 
to answer and make some commitments to make Ontario accessible. They they got religion on ODSP. It can happen on this file too. I, and I'm glad you brought that up because it has been an ongoing problem. I'm sure you're aware. Anthony Frazina, a fellow Hamiltonian, uh, who I've known for some time, of course, has been a strong advocate for this, and he's trying to do his thing. You're trying to do your thing. Uh, but you know what I'm hearing time and time again from from those that are watching what's going on or not going on, David, at Queen's Park, is, is every commitment here is, okay, how, how is this going to generate votes for us? Why are they looking at something like that, as, as the Disabilities Act, as you've talked about, and even ODSP, as the right thing to do for people that are in need, as opposed to, well, are they going to vote for me now or not? Because if they're not, then we're not going to do it. That, that's, that's the wrong attitude to be taking. Well, even if they were going to take that attitude, and, and you get the feeling like there's someone in the war room who just thinks, oh, voters with disabilities, they're not going to vote for us, so who cares? Well, guess what? People with disabilities are in every walk of life. They are sure. left-wing, they're right-wing, they're no-wing, they're men, they're women, they're all uh, races, religions, national origins. Everybody, there's over 2.6 million of us, I'm blind, but there's 2.6 million of us who have disabilities now. That's over a million voters with disabilities. Now, what politician can disregard that? But let's go further. Everybody either has a disability now or is bound to get one later. We are the minority of everyone. And no uh, smart political strategist can say, oh, let's disregard the votes of the minority of everyone. Why everyone in the Tory caucus, every candidate either will have a disability now, is gonna get one later. So even if they wanna be selfish and think about themselves, they should be going to Doug Ford and say, people with disabilities deserve better than you're refusing to meet them for four years, and now you're refusing to even answer their letter requesting commitments. But they're kind of victims of their own history here, though, because this this attack, and it was an attack, a verbal attack, and a psychological attack on people with disabilities, uh, started during the Common Sense Revolution, for all intents and purposes, you know, when then-Premier Mike Harris essentially went after the member. He cut social service rates by, what, 33 and a third percent, and, and said that, you know, people, they're malingerers, you know, they're, they're sitting there collecting their checks while watching their big screen TVs and drinking beer, and they're not contributing to the, ec the economy. Well, that's that was just wrong. But that was the narrative that they came, and a lot of people bought into it. It's still in people's heads. Well, actually, if you go back to those days, when Mike Harris promised to cut social assistance, he exempted people with disabilities. So even in his sort of hardline politics, he knew that would be the wrong thing to do. He promised to pass a disability law. Now, he passed a really weak one, but here's the thing. After they got turfed out of power, that's the Mike Harris Tories, you know what happened? The Tories in opposition saw the folly of their ways and they voted for the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act that the McGinty Liberals brought in. In fact, the Tories in opposition worked with us to try to make it stronger. And in every election since it was passed up till now, the Tories, when trying to get the votes of the public, have made at least some response to our request for uh, commitments until Mike Harris, or pardon me, until Doug Ford uh, this time around. Now, it's not too late. And we, our aim is to say to uh, Doug, Doug Ford, come on, we matter too. Uh, take that folksy down-home thing and that you, you're proud of and 
turn it to people with disabilities and say, I'm prepared to make commitments to you, not just in platitudes, but to write a letter with detailed um, detailed uh, specifics that you're prepared to do. You want our votes? Uh, tell us what you're going to do. By the way, the other thing I should tell you is after the Mike Harris Tories uh, were defeated, I had some of their members talk to me privately and, and shake their own heads at their own record. Why, why were they so unresponsive to us? Why were they so hostile to us? So, you know, the, it, it was not a monolith then, and I'm going to gamble that anybody out on the hustings right now as a conservative candidate is knocking on doors, would rather not have to face uh, questions about a, a premier that won't even answer us after four years of refusing to meet us. And so this is his chance, Doug Ford's chance, to make it easier on his own candidates. And your point's well taken, the point you made at the beginning of our conversation, because we've seen this time and time again, David. Uh, governments respond to public pressure. I mean, as you say, even the Harris government, to a certain extent, uh, will do this. And Ford certainly has been shown to do that. I, I, I have no problem. And I think most people have no problem with a politician who changes their mind as long as they get better information and say, okay, I've, you know what, I, I made the my decision based on what I knew then. I know more about it now. We're going to do this. I, I'm okay well, with that. And, and that's well, what we're, let me we're looking a, for, that sort, of, uh, that sort of uh, epiphany from the, the sitting government, well, right now anyway. Let me give you an example of a, a, a commitment we've sought that really doesn't cost any money at all, and that is not left-wing or right-wing, that the other parties are prepared to make, but Doug Ford isn't. But in, in fact, he up until now. We've said, look, when you're spending public money, please, don't, please make sure that it is not used to create new barriers that make it worse for people with disabilities. So you, you've seen the government as previous governments, running around proudly announcing we're going to build a new hospital here and a new school there and a new public transit system here. And okay, that's what they all do. But he is not making any commitments to ensure that those new facilities are accessible. If you build accessibility in, you save the bigger costs of having to retrofit them later to undo the damage you caused when you built them. And we all need accessibility to get into schools and hospitals and public transit. So this would be a responsible use of public money. Doug Ford's answer? Won't answer. So every time you see one of those daily news releases about a new hospital here or a new school there, add the words, but without accessibility at the end of that announcement, because they won't ensure it's built in. And unless you ensure it's built in, it isn't. And I know that's only going to add fuel to the fire. That well, he, you know, that's going to be an added cost to the to the developer or to the builders, and he doesn't want to do that. Uh, but you've got to be open minded about this sort of stuff, and and Premier needs to open his eyes uh, to what's going on, because like you say, eventually there's going to you know be an added cost to try to retrofit those buildings. Why not do it in the design phase? And you're absolutely right. And most of the, here's the thing: it costs way more to retrofit it after. Uh, and But moreover, when you build accessibility in the design stage, if you come up with a proper standard for accessibility, we've been asking for that for years, then you can reduce the cost to as close to zero as you can get. It's marginal when you're building accessibility in, and it's a cost savings to do it right. And after all, our schools have to be open to all kids, all parents, and all school staff. Our hospitals primarily serve 
people with disabilities. The idea of building accessibility barriers into a, a, a hospital is absurd. Let me give you an example of one, costs nothing, costs nothing. So they built, this is the previous government, with public money, a new uh, women's college hospital in Toronto. And they have accessible parking, isn't that great? And when you go in the door, there is a uh, electronic kiosk to pay for your parking. They built it right into the wall at standing height. So a person in a wheelchair can't reach it. Now, having built it into the wall, they could have built it a few inches lower mm-hmm. so that it would have been accessible. That wouldn't cost an extra dime. So when I first went there, and I'm blinded with a friend, and they're narrating, describing to me how there's someone in a wheelchair who obviously parked, who obviously was going in to pay, using accessible parking, but couldn't use the electronic kiosk in a brand new hospital. That's the kind of thing that can go on all over the province unless the government does their job. Unfortunately, the current government isn't. Are there any standards at all? I mean, for instance, you just mentioned, for instance, accessible parking. Uh, because I've been told by some people in the private sector that, no, the, there are guidelines, but there's not really, you know, how many spaces for whatever it is. Well, there's, there's is. two problems. Okay, here's the problems. There are some limited standards. They don't cover uh, many, if not most, of the barriers we face. Uh, some of them are not even enforceable, and the ones that are enforceable aren't being effectively enforced. And when you don't have effective enforcement, it's like a law that isn't really there. So... But this stuff isn't rocket science. This stuff is is the kind of thing you could figure out. And we've been sitting there waiting to work with them on this um, uh, for a long time. Let me give you just uh, another example. During the uh, during the COVID pandemic, the government largely took a one size fits all approach to its emergency planning in hospitals, in healthcare, uh, in um, education as if no student, no patient have a disability. And then we're an afterthought. Oh yeah, help help those folks out too. And what that did was created new barriers that made it harder for the very people who, people with disabilities, who were disproportionately prone to get COVID, disproportionately prone to get its worst consequences and disproportionately prone to die from it. Now that's just bad management. I don't think they sat around and did it by design, but we warned them in advance. You need to work with us on coming up with ways to ensure that your emergency planning is uh, is effective to include the needs, the urgent needs of people with disabilities. Even coming, what we're not coming out of the pandemic, it's still going on, but even with this uh, one-size-fits-all removal of the mask mandate, what they've done is made Ontario worse for people with vulnerable disabilities. There are people at home right now who are afraid to go to the supermarket or drugstore just to buy the necessities of life because they're afraid of getting COVID. Why couldn't we retain the mask mandate for those high-priority locations so that people who have vulnerable conditions don't have to feel more exposed now than they felt two months ago. A legitimate question. As a matter of fact, it's it's kind of gone to the other opposite end of this, the polar opposite of that. Because I've had stories of people that are still wearing masks, you know, wheelchair boundary, anyway, disabilities, 
and and they're being ridiculed by people when they go into these stores now and and they figure boy you know this is a public health issue and these guys just don't seem to get it i are you i got about a, <clears throat> excuse me about a minute left here are you hopeful though david that that this whether it's odsp it might be uh, a foot in the door to have that broader discussion about people with disabilities and policies not just about money that's important i don't want to downplay that but there's a much bigger discussion to be had, as you mentioned, about the government's mindset towards people with disabilities. I'm hopeful that if your listeners follow at AODA Alliance on Twitter and retweet our tweets to the candidates, if you press candidates for what they're, why, why the premier won't even make any commitments on accessibility, if the Queen's Park Press Corps, Corps stops giving the premier a free pass on this issue, um, I think we can get commitments out of the premier. It's been done before, can be done again. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning, everybody, I mean, you, you're one car accident, one accident of falling off a bike from being in this same category. It can happen to anybody at any time. Uh, and we need to be cognizant of that. We need to understand uh, that they have to have their, their, their protections just as we all do in a society. David, uh, thank you again for the time today. Thanks for the great work that you and your uh, agency are doing for this. And uh, uh, we'll stay up here and be a voice for this. And hopefully it is going to become a factor and will be one of the topics in these debates too. Appreciate it. Thanks the time so much day. for being a media leader by covering this issue. Thank you, David. Take care. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Bye-bye. David Lepofsky, who is the chair of the Accessibility Frontarians with Disabilities Act. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.